Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, worship team. Some awesome worship this morning. Well, good morning again, everyone, and uh, welcome to Source. And uh, glad to see all of you this morning. And uh, hopefully none of us get blown away today. The winds are kind of getting rough. It's, I know outside, it's, I don't know why, but like this seems like this school, my house, and Walmart are like the windiest spots in all of West Mifflin. And uh, so just be careful when you're out there. Uh, I'm going to be starting a new sermon series this week, and uh, so kind of excited about that. And, uh, but I've got a question for you guys. Any of you guys in this room have any fears or phobias? Anybody suffer with that? Anything? All right, the rest of y'all are just lying, okay, because I know y'all have fears. I'm just going to turn this down a little bit here or something. I'm getting some feedback. But yeah, so we've all got fears, right? One of my uh, biggest fears that still affects me to this day, if you know me at all, uh, you know I don't like water. I don't like being in water. Um, I mean, I shower. That's okay. But uh, anything over like four feet deep, I, I, I don't really like that because one of my biggest fears that still affects me to this day is, is drowning, Right? Again, it doesn't affect me from going in all water, just not deep water. And, uh, but when I'm in the water, I'm also super careful because I don't want to ever open up the opportunity for me to drown, right? All human beings, okay, every single one of us in this room, every single human being ever born or born with two innate fears. We're born with the, the fear of falling and we're born with the fear of loud noises, but along the way, right, somehow we add a lot more fears to our lives, things like the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, the fear of rejection, the fear of commitment. As a matter of fact, there are actually over uh, 530 known fears or phobias, and they've all got crazy names. Now, the craziest one I could kind of find out there is this one here. If you guys can go ahead and put it up on the screen real quick, is that right there, okay? That is the fear of the number 666. Now, I don't even know how you would begin to pronounce that, right, or, or who would even come up with that. But 530 different known phobias and fears. We look at fear, we see that fear really kind of falls into, into two categories, right? It's either beneficial or it's harmful. It means fear can serve as an alarm to us, right? It can serve as a warning system inside of us that, you know, maybe we're going to face danger, but at the same time, fear can paralyze us, right? It can cause us to, to freeze when we should either, you know, fight or, or, or maybe run away from a very dangerous situation. But if we fear the right things, we can stay out of a lot of trouble. But if we fear the wrong things, then we can miss out on a lot of great opportunities. See, fear can either be our friend or fear can be our enemy. And see, this is the truth, is that every one of us in this room, including me, we all deal with some level of unhealthy fear that does not come from God. See, and it's also possible that unhealthy fear is impacting your life right now in a, in a harmful way, maybe hurting your relationships, maybe fear is hurting your career, or maybe it's hurting your walk with God, maybe even hindering your ability to live out God's plans and God's purposes for your life. But somewhere along the way, somehow, you learned that fear from someone or something. See, fear is either caught or taught. The Bible actually addresses this kind of fear, it calls this kind of fear a spirit of fear. And there's a verse that gives us a little bit of clarity on it in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out this morning. If not, it'll be on the screen. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 will be a great verse for you to memorize this week, by the way. But it says this, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. What that means is that every fear that you're dealing with that causes a, a harmful effect or a harmful you know, effect in your life 
like a lack of confidence or, or fear of failure or fear that, you know, that hurts your relationship with people or with God, you need to understand that verse tells us that that fear does not come from God. See, the Bible says that when it comes to living courageously for God and carrying out his purposes in your life, the Spirit of God actually equips us with power, love, and self-control. So you say, well, what do I do with all of these fears that I'm struggling with? What do I do with all of these things that have, have me paralyzed or things that I can't seem to overcome? Well, here's what you have to do. You have to unlearn them. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, over the next few weeks, what we want to do is we want to help you to unlearn the, healthy, uh, the unhealthy fears in your life. And we want you to replace them with something else. Now, see, a lot of the, the fears that you have, you have them because of a lie that you believed. Or maybe a lie that someone taught you or something you've, you've caught it from someone or something. And so you have to replace it with something. You have to replace that lie with something. You've got to replace it with truth, which is the truth of God's word and the truth of the gospel. Now, does that mean for that for some of you that you're going to totally overcome that fear of spiders and snakes? Probably not, maybe. But what it does is that hopefully you will overcome some fears that are hurting your relationships. Now, if you're spider and snake phobia, if that's one of those things that's hurting your relationships, hopefully we'll conquer that as well. You know, but maybe it's a fear that you're dealing with that's actually causing you to live in sin. Or maybe there's a fear that you're dealing with that is holding you back in your life. What I want to do this morning is I want to start off this series by introducing you to the one fear, right? The, the, the one fear that you absolutely must have in your life if you're going to unlearn and overcome all of the unhealthy fears that you might be dealing with. And actually, if you can get this one fear right, it has the power to actually free you from all other fears. This is the number one fear that we're going to talk about in a minute that God actually wants you to have. This fear is mentioned all throughout the pages of the Bible. As a matter of fact, this fear is actually foundational to your ability to live out the Christian life the, God, the way that God would have you to do. I mean, if you want to live a life full of wisdom, you want to live a life having victory over sin, you want to live a life filled with peace, you want to live a life filled with, with confidence and actually overcome some of those unhealthy fears that are hurting your life, this is the one fear that you must have in your life. It's the one fear, if it's, if it's healthy, that it can help you to unlearn all of your other unhealthy fears. And you say, well, what is it? Right? What is that one fear? It's the fear of God. Right, it's the fear of God. Now back in the Old Testament, here is how God laid out an understanding of this fear to the Jewish people. Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses gathers all of the people of Israel together and he reminds them of the covenant that they made with God, a covenant they made with him at Mount Sinai. And he recites the foundations of, of the law to them, which was basically at the center of that was the Ten Commandments. And then Moses reminds them of the covenant response that the Israelites made to God. And he says, listen, this is Moses talking, he says, in your response to your awe and your reverence to the power of God, here's the commitment that you made to him back then. You said to God that whatever uh, the Lord God tells us to do, the Israelites said, we will listen and we will obey. And then Moses goes on, he tells the people, he said, you know, God heard everything that you were saying. And here's God's response back to you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 29. God says, if only they had such a heart to fear me, and keep all my commandments always so that it might be well with them and their children forever. See, in other words, God knew 
that they were going to struggle with keeping the commandments. And he knew that they were going to struggle with keeping the, the commitments that they made to him. He knew that they were going to create idols. He knew that there were going to be moments when they were going to fall away from him and, and fall into sin. But he says this to them. He says, if you fear me and if you will obey me, God says, things will not only go well for you. He says, but they'll go well for your children. He says, and your descendants. And so from the very beginning, from the very beginning, God wants his people back then and even now to fear him. Now, I know that for some of you, especially if you've never heard that before, it kind of sounds a little bit crazy, right? Sounds a little bit messed up, may even create some confusion in you. You're thinking, man, you know, is God like on this kind of power trip or something? I mean, is he trying to scare us? Is he some kind of control freak? I mean, what in the world is going on here with God? Well, in order to understand what it means to fear God, see, there are a few key things that we need to unlearn about God, and there are some things that we need to learn about God. Now, let me tell you a couple of things about God's character here. And that is this, that God is love, right? God is merciful. He is kind. He is gracious. He is all-knowing. God can be everywhere at at one time. He can be wherever he wants to be at any time. He's very forgiving. He's all-powerful. I mean, there are actually, you know, no words that I can come up with to truly describe God's glory. But he is also just. That means that there is a side of him, there's a side of God that cannot accept sin. See, his character doesn't even, I mean, sin doesn't even go with his character at all. He doesn't even know what to do with sin outside of his character except to actually react in anger. I mean, and that part of him is called God's wrath. And see, here's where this whole topic of fearing God created problems for me when I was growing up. I've had to spend a lot of time in my life I'm learning a lot of unhealthy things and ideas when it comes to, you know, what it means to really, truly fear God. Quite honestly, I'm still learning. I mean, I grew up in a, hearing a whole lot more about God's wrath, hearing a whole lot more about, about God's anger and, and how much he punishes sin than I did about his forgiveness and his love and his grace and his mercy and his glory and his love for me and how much Jesus accomplished for me on the cross to free me from his wrath. Some of you, you grew up the same way I did. And so when I talk about this, I mean, this goes deep for you. And so because I grew up this way, here are some things that I heard or somehow picked up as I was growing up. Like I heard that God was out to get me, right? I also believe that God was always mad at me. I believe that no matter what I did, I could never please God. And so I grew up with this idea that God was kind of always disappointed in me. Then once I got into high school, I you know, had this understanding that if I just kept the right rules and read my Bible every day and prayed every day, then, then God would temporarily be happy with me. Things would go well with me in every area until the next day when it would start all over again. See, when you grow up with fear like that, let me tell you what happens. Your mind, your thoughts, listen, it's all about you. You give into the power of fear instead of allowing yourself to be controlled by the power of God. Some of you... Grew up just like I did. And so when you think of the words fear God, automatically you think of punishment, right? You think of wrath. You think of, you know, angry, disappointed side of God or this God that's just impossible to please. And some of you, if you grew up like that, you did everything you could to walk right with God because you were just so afraid or, or you finally gave up on it and you just walked right away from him because you just thought, you know what, I can't please him. No matter what I do, he's just mad at me. So I'm done trying. That's it. I'm out of here. Now, for some of you, you didn't grow up with any fear of God at all, right? That wasn't even in your world, and so it was kind of just like a free-for-all for you. Whatever background you came from, here's the bottom line. 
is that we have to unlearn some of the ideas that have created an unhealthy fear of God. And we have to try to learn the truth about what God is really saying when he says to us, fear me. And so in order to do that, we're going to need to, we're going to, need to define it. What does it mean to fear God? Well, the fear of God is this. See, to fear God is to have such an awesome respect or reverence for his greatness and power that we just don't want to disobey him. As a matter of fact, instead what we want to do is we want to worship him. We want to serve him. We want to trust him. We want to obey him. We want to commit our lives to him. Author John Piper, he takes it even a step further, and I love this. He says, God in your mind and heart is so powerful and so holy and so awesome that you would not dare run away from him, but you would choose to run to him. Isn't that good? In the book of Job, we get this lesson on why God is to be feared from this guy named Elihu. Job was uh, having this pity party with God. If you ever read through the, the, the book of Job, you know that Job was going through some pretty rough times in his life. And so he just begins to question God in so many different ways. And Elihu decides to bring a little, little truth into Job's life. So in Job chapter 37, verse 14, here's what he says to Job. He says, pay attention to this, Job. Stop and consider the wonder, mir- wonderful miracles of God. He says, do you know how God controls the storm and causes the lightning to flash from his clouds? Do you understand how he moves the clouds with wonderful perfection and skill? When you are sweltering in your clothes and the south wind dies down and everything is still, he makes the skies reflect the heat like a bronze mirror. Can you do that, Job? So also, golden splendor comes from the mountain of God. He is clothed in dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty, but even though he is just and righteous, he does not destroy us. No wonder, he says, people everywhere fear him. All who are wise show him reverence. See, Elihu paints this picture for Job of a God that is so powerful and so awesome and so mighty, who has this ability far beyond our own that we can't even help but to stand in reverence of him. I mean, this is a picture that should actually cause us to want to run to him instead of running away from him. See, when we fear him out of awe and respect and reverence and honor because he is so powerful, to quote Elihu, he, uh, he, he, is just, uh, he is just and righteous, yet he chooses not to destroy us. See, most of you in this room, you're running away from God instead of running to him because of an unhealthy fear you have of him. Many of you have seen or watched the movie The Chronicle of Narnia from C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis portrays Jesus Christ as a lion. And the lion in the Chronicles of Narnia, I mean, he is fierce, right? He is, he is powerful. Yet at the same time, he's tender. He's beautiful to look at. His, his anger towards sin is terrifying, but his love and his kindness is overwhelming. And here's what C.S. Lewis writes. He says, as the lion passed by, they were terribly afraid That he would turn and look at them, yet in some queer way they wished he would. Naturally, one would be nervous meeting a lion. The question was asked to one who knew this well, is he safe? He says, I find the answer both wise and startling, safe. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He is a king. He is a king, I tell you. Listen, if a king or a a president, I don't care about your politics right now, but for the most part, if Most of you, if a king or a president would walk into this room right now, you would have probably a healthy respect for that person. Even if you didn't respect that person, hopefully you'd have a respect or revere for the office. 
See, here's the problem with so many Christians that, that, that so many Christians have when it comes to fearing God is we've just lost this, this sense of awe and reverence and respect for him. I mean, in some ways, God's almost become to us like one of the guys, right? He's kind of like our homeboy, right? So he's one of the dudes or one of the crew, and, and we've actually become quite cavalier in the way that we relate to him. See, that's, that, that's where we're missing the boat. Exodus chapter 33, Moses, he's, ha- he's having this moment with God by himself, And Moses makes one of the the boldest asks in all of the Bible that you could ever imagine. And he looks at God and he says, God, show me your glory. He says, God, show me your glory. And here's what God says. God says, look, I will show you my goodness. He says, I will show you my mercy. I will show you my compassion. But God says, no one can actually look at my face and live. And so he takes Moses and he hides him in a crack in a large rock. And he actually allows Moses for just a moment to catch a glimpse of his back. And he says, Moses, look. He says, I'm going to go by you. And when it happens, he says, you can actually take a look at me. You can take a peek. And later when the, when the people of Israel, they see Moses, they report that his face was so radiant that they were afraid to go near him. Listen, if God were to physically reveal himself to every one of us in this room right now, we would all just fall on our faces because we could not handle his glory. I don't care if you're a believer, if you're an unbeliever, if you don't believe in God at all, if he were to show up physically, we would all be on our faces because we can't handle it. He is so awesome, he is so powerful, he is so glorious that out of our reverence and our awe of him, it should strike fear inside of us. Not an unhealthy fear, but a fear that would overwhelm every other fear in our lives. Right? It should take every other fear and just get them out because I belong to the most awesome, wonderful God. And I love this quote. It says, the only thing that has the power to defeat fear is fear. Only when the grander fear of God rules your heart will you be free of the little fears in life that chip away at your heart. It says, when we live in a reverential awe of the magnitude of God's power and authority, and you are stunned by the fact that he exercises his power for his glory and your good, then you can be free from all of the anxieties that make you timid and rob you of joy. What a great word. So listen to me this morning. We don't fear him because, you know, we fear that he's going to strike us dead. We fear him because that, you know, out of love and compassion for us, he chooses not to. We don't fear him because he's always angry with us. We fear him because of his grace and his mercy. He holds back his anger. He is so majestic that our fear should just cause us to run to him instead of running from him. Psalm 33, 8 says, let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the promises and the blessings of God. and Some warnings in there, too. This morning, what I want to do is I just want to give you four of them real quick. So what does God's word say to us about those who fear him? Well, first of all, is that fearing God will lead us to salvation. Okay, fearing God will lead us to salvation. Now, many people and, and so many of us, I mean, you know, we've asked Jesus Christ to be our, our personal savior because we're scared to death that we're going to go to hell. And that's not a bad thing, by the way, because without Christ, that's exactly where you're going to end up. But let me say this. With that, there's this growing belief in the world today called universalism. And universalism, it's a very dangerous doctrine. And simply put, it's a doctrine that says that everyone, regardless of of who you are, what you've done, you will be restored to a right relationship with God in heaven. And so, in other words, everyone's going, right? Everyone gets to go to heaven. But see, the problem with this doctrine 
is that if eventually everyone winds up in heaven, then there was no need for Jesus. Right? God never needed to send Jesus Christ. There was not a need for the cross, not a need for the resurrection. Listen, because our sins separated us from God, he knew that we would need Jesus. He knew that we would need a Savior. Right? Because no amount of works or good deeds or law-keeping or self-sacrifice could pay the price for our sin. That's why Jesus had to come, because we needed a perfect sacrifice. We needed a spotless lamb to go to the cross as a payment for our sin. And see, when, when that happened, every bit of wrath and every bit of judgment that God had towards sin was poured out on Jesus Christ when he went to the cross. His death satisfied God's requirements to pay for the offenses of sin. So when Jesus rose again, he also he defeated the power of sin and the power that death had over our lives. And now out of grace and mercy and love, God offers us the free gift of salvation and a home in heaven when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ to be our rescuer, to be our deliverer, to be our savior. See, because of God's amazing grace, if you are truly a child of God, the Bible says you do not have to fear hell. You don't have to fear separation from God. As his children, we don't have to cower in fear of not being saved. Romans 8.1 tells us that therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It means that I'm no longer an enemy of God. The Bible says that I'm his friend. It means that he's not angry towards me. He's not always disappointed. See, because of Jesus, things have been made right between me and him, and now I am his child. I don't have to keep performing because Jesus performed for me on the cross. Early on in my Christian walk, I was scared to death that somehow or another my salvation decision just didn't stick. And I'll confess something to you, right? I mean, I think every single time someone did the sinner's prayer at the end of a service, I would pray it, right? Can anyone relate to that? Some of you are going, well, you know, I still do that every week. (laughs) But look, you know why I did that? I did that because I didn't understand his power, I didn't understand his power to keep me saved. I didn't understand his love. Listen, his love is not fickle towards us. Where he kind of loves us one day and then hates us the next based on our performance. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8 that his love towards us is actually perfect. And he is perfect. And that perfect love casts out what? All fear. Second thing that we get is that fearing God will lead us to make wise choices. God promises wisdom to those who fear him. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I mean, imagine the almighty God of the universe who knows all things, offering to lead us all the time to be wise and to make wise choices. Think about the prospects of being connected to the actual source of all knowledge, yet that's the promise. Instead of living in the natural consequences of making foolish decisions, When you run to God, because he is all-powerful, he is almighty, he promises wisdom, right? Wisdom to make right choices, wisdom to avoid danger and disaster, wisdom to know God's will. Those are the benefits of fearing God. And the third thing is that fearing God will bring confidence and security to your life. Author and teacher John Piper, again, he describes the fear of God as if you were caught in this terrible storm, while exploring an Arctic glacier. He says the storm is so strong that you actually fear that you're just going to be blown right off the side of the glacier, but then you discover that there's this gap in the ice where you can hide and find shelter. And even though you're safe, you watch the storm go by with this sense of awe. He says that, you know, at first there was this, this fear that this terrible storm and awesome terrain might claim your life, but then you found a refuge 
and gained hope that you would be safe. But not everything in that feeling fear, of fear vanished from your heart. Only the life-threatening part, he says. There remained the trembling, the awe, the wonder, the feeling that you would never want to, to tangle with such a storm or be the adversary of such a power. He says the fear of God is what is left of the storm when you have a place to watch it in the middle of it. He says, oh, the thrill of being in the center of the awful power of God, yet protected by God himself. Book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 26, says, those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. You see, when I fear God, he becomes my confidence and my security. I can find my confidence in his power and his strength and his ability to protect me and to get me through tough times. The Bible says that God knows the future. He knows your future. You know, so many of you today and so many Christians outside of these walls are so afraid of the future. Why? Because it's uncertain. There's a lot of unknowns when it comes to the future. Typically, we don't like uncertainty and we don't like unknowns because it makes us feel like we're out of control. But you don't have to be afraid of the future if your confidence is in Jesus Christ because our faith is in the fact that he controls the future. Right? You don't have to fear the future when you know who controls the future and your confidence is in him alone. Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I love that image. I love the image of being held in the hand of God. I mean, I can have confidence Regardless of what the future holds, when I know that I'm being held in his righteous right hand. And then the fourth thing is this, that fearing God will help you to overcome all of your other fears. There's a moment in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus has been teaching all day long. Disciples are with him and at the end of the day Jesus says, you know what guys, let's get into the boat and let's push off to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And as they were making their way into the water, Jesus decides to take a nap. And so he lays down, he falls asleep in the, in the stern of the boat. And while that happens, a storm picks up. And the Bible says that the boat begins to take on water. And the disciples, it says, are scared to death. They're frightened. I mean, the God of the storms is in the boat with them, but they are scared of the storm. And in Mark 4.39, the Bible says this. I mean, they're shaking him. They're trying to, to wake him up. And it says, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace. Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still, you, have you still had no faith? The disciples, I mean, they feared for their lives. They thought that they were going to, to drown in the midst of the storm. But after seeing Jesus actually calm the storm, with just three words, the Bible says they stood in awe. It says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I mean, as you know, we live in some crazy, crazy stormy times in our nation and in our world right now. And what's so amazing is that so many people that claim to be Christ followers are reacting in fear. Why? Because we've lost our sense of awe and fear and wonder of the God who not only creates the storms, but the God who can calm the storms with just a word. Paul Tripp says, only awe of God can only rob horizontal awe of its power. Only awe of God can only rob horizontal awe of its power. And some of you, you're paralyzed in fear in your life right now. Whether it's the fear of the unknown, or the fear that someone's gonna hurt you, or the fear that someone's gonna, gonna leave you, or that you're gonna be rejected, or fear of, the, fa- fear of failure, or fear of the future. I wanna tell you that fear is only ever defeated by fear. 
Fearing God will help you to overcome every other fear that you have in your life. It's the one fear, the only fear that removes all other fears. And so how can we live our lives with a healthy fear of God? Well, first of all, we need to have an undivided heart towards him. An undivided heart. Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. He says, Unite my heart to fear your name. See, King David prays, he says, Lord, give me an undivided heart. Why? Because you cannot be captured by the wonder and the glory and the awe of God and be captured by the wonder and the glory and the awe of something else. It's called a divided heart. See, I know that if my heart is divided, then I will always live with an unhealthy fear that that whatever has captured my heart will be taken away from me. And the second thing is this, is that we need to have a healthy sense of humility and reverence and respect for God. See, when I live in fear of God, when I do that, I'm confronted with my own smallness. Confronted with my own insecurities, my own weaknesses, my own fears, my own inadequacies. When you get to that place, it's very humbling, but that's where you want to be. And it's a great place to be because when I'm at that point, see, it makes me want to run to him instead of run from him. Because when I run to him in humility and I approach him with reverence and respect, here's what he promises. He promises his wisdom. He promises me his power, his security, his strength, and his grace. And some of you in this room, you are paralyzed by fear today. Some of you in this room, you're driven by fear. Some of you have actually become slaves to fear. Listen, that's a spirit of fear that is not from God. The Bible says that you are a child of God and you need to rest in that today. Trade your unhealthy fears, which are causing you anxiety and stress and worry, and say, God, would you give me a healthy fear of you, which brings peace and calm and joy. I love what Galatians chapter 4, verse 7 says. It says, you are no longer slaves. You're a child of God. Did you catch that? You're no longer a slave. You are a child of God. You are no longer slaves to fear. Why? Because God controls everything. He controls all the things I'm fearful of. And I don't have to be a slave when I'm his child.